Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Beware of False Prophets and Teachers. 1 Kings 18, 37 to 40. But first, I've got to tell a farm story. Uh, of course I am. Uh, so, one, you'll see why in just a minute. Now, growing up on the farm, one of the scariest parts of, of being on the farm was when the cows got spooked. Uh, if you ever see the westerns and the, the stampede and, and the cowboys get trampled, that's real. That's what they do. They get crazy. That was one of the scariest things. And something would scare our cows in the pasture, and they would just start running right for the electric fence, which normally they wouldn't they would stop for. It. But this time, no. The herd mentality, boom, right through the fence. It was horrible. Then we would have to round them up. And there's nothing quite like, nothing quite like getting up in the middle of the night, getting out of bed, walking through the cornfield with your flashlight, looking for mad cows. You know, there's nothing quite like it. This cow, I, I just can't describe it. You're, you're here and you hear this, you know, mooing and trampling through the corn, coming right at you and you're, stop, stop, it's me, stop. Yeah, it's scary, it's scary. And they stop and they look at you and you look at them and, oh, it's scary. Uh, that cows running through the corn would make a great horror movie. I really think that. You know, children of the corn, cows in the corn, cows in the corn. It'd be a much scarier movie, much scarier. Now, the main thing that scared cows, that spooked the cows, the main thing were, was the weather, thunderstorms, especially the thunderstorms. They could just sense it coming. They could feel it. You know, you know your, maybe some of your pets do that. They could just sense it coming. They would get all restless, and, and they would get all crazy, and all of a sudden there would be a, a thunder, boom, and they would be off and running. And you're like, please don't run toward the fence. Run out to the pasture, run here, anywhere but toward the fence. And, and for good reason, they were spooked for good reason, because uh, one time, they knew what, what could happen. One time, one of our, I remember one of our cows didn't come back to the barn, and my dad was like, it was right after a thunderstorm, he's like, we got to go find this cow, and sure enough, we could see it off in the distance, it was laying out there, we got there, and it was laying outside, you know, kind of big belly now, and, and we got there, and it was a jagged scar down the side of the cow, where it had been hit by lightning. Uh, so... My dad called the insurance company hoping to collect on this, and they said, well, you're going to have to have a vet come out and check on it and make sure it really was hit by lightning, you know, because cows are killed by all kinds of things on the farm. So my dad called the vet. He came out, and he said, yep, that's a lightning <laughs> bolt for sure, big scar on the stomach. And so they, they reimbursed my dad because they call it an act of God. The insurance company called it an act of God. Well, we're going to see today a bull that gets burned up a bull that gets burned up by a bolt of fire that really was an act of God. That's what we're going to see today. Remember, Elijah is on Mount Carmel. He's facing down the prophets of Baal. They have a fire test. Who's the real God, Baal or Jehovah? The prophets of Baal have already struck out. If you haven't been here for those, get the CD or go on the podcast, listen to them. They've already struck out, and now it's Jehovah's turn. Jehovah's turn. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... The worship today, we thank you for our friends visiting with us and worshiping with us. We thank you for your word, and we just pray that your word would really speak to us and really cut to our hearts and move us forward spiritually. And maybe even someone here has never put their faith in you. Today would be the day that they do ask Jesus into their heart. They do receive your Holy Spirit by putting their faith in Jesus. 
We pray for every one of us to do that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read a couple verses here. Uh, 1 Kings 18, 37 to 40. We'll pick it up with verse 37. Elijah's talking here, and he says, Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so, that, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. We're going to have fun with that. So, uh... This reminds me of Raiders of the Lost Ark. You remember at the end when the Nazis look into the, the Ark of the Covenant and the, the fire bolt comes down and melts them and melts everybody and sucks them all up again? That, that's what this reminds me of, uh, this, this, when the fire comes down. Only this is no movie special effect. This is real, and it proved something. It proved something. One of the fireproof, a couple of things it proved, uh, fireproofing here. The first is that Jehovah is the one true God. We've been talking about this, it's the, the building toward this, and now he proves he's the one true God again. God keeps on repeating himself, right? He keeps on, because of our, our weak faith and because we need that encouragement, nobody here, but you might know something like that, we keep needing him to prove himself. And he keeps proving himself here. He already already sent the ten plagues to Egypt, already parted the Red Sea. A lot of you probably last weekend watched the, the Ten Commandments again. Charlton Essen, oh, Moses, you know, parts the right. He already did that. He already parted the, the, the Jordan. He already knocked down the walls of Jericho. All this stuff has already happened, but God is patient. He keeps proving. They had all fallen away. They had turned away from God. They had, the, the, the nation is following Baal and the false idols, and he brings them back again. I pray he does the same for our country, right? But he keeps on showing his power. He's very patient, and he, he proves it, and he proves that he's the one true God. And he also proved, this also proved that Elijah's sacrifice was, the, was accepted. How do we know it was accepted? Because the fire came down and burned up the sacrifice, burned up the bull, right? And only the prayer offered to Jehovah was effective. You can't just pray to any, any old God out there like they, we teach in America today. doesn't matter who you, what word you use or what name you use. doesn't mean if you pray to a rock or this or you, the one true God. You know, God is you know, that saying. But that's not true. We've talked about that many times the last couple of weeks, right? He's proving that there's one true God and his name is Jehovah. And if you pray to any other God, he doesn't hear you. How do we know? Because the fire didn't come down. He only came down when Elijah prayed to Jehovah. That's the only prayer that was accepted. And it proved that his sacrifice was accepted and, and, and the, because that prayer atoned for sin. That sacrifice was burned up. It was fireproof that God accepted that sacrifice. There's only one way to get right with God. You have to go through his sacrifice. You can't just go through any religious system out there and get to, the, to get to God somehow. There's only one prayer and one way and one sacrifice, and that is what this has proved. Remember the sacrifice that God, this is a picture, right? It's all a type. Now, we've been talking about this for weeks now. It's all a type. It's a type of Jesus Christ. There's one true God, and there's one sacrifice that, that, we can, that will actually take our sins away, that will actually reconnect us with God. Remember the atonement we talked about? One sacrifice, and that is... John 3.16. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It ha- we have to go through the one and only son. That's the only way to God the Father. In fact, John 14, 6, you probably have this memorized by now. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It has to be through Jesus, through his sacrifice. And remember last week, Resurrection Sunday, we talked about how the resurrection is proof. It's proof. That was our bolt of fire. There was no bolt of fire onto the cross. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the bolt of fire to prove that that sacrifice, the Jesus sacrifice, was was effective, that really paid for our sins, and that he really was the Son of God. And then after that, not a short time later, we talked about another fire that actually did come down, which was... Yep, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came down and proved that the sacrifice was accepted. That the Holy Spirit can now live inside of us. I'm reviewing, obviously. But the Holy Spirit can now live inside us and give us the power to, to live a whole new life. The power We now have the power to change. We now have the power to live a brand new life. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And when he comes in, we now have the God's power inside of us to actually change. Look at the ways we've changed. We all have quite a story, don't we? We're not arrived yet. <laughs> you know, maybe the pastors have arrived, but nobody else has arrived. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. His wife is nudging him. So anyway, yeah, yeah. But we had never. We're not arrived. But we're look where we came from, right? What a difference in our life. What a shocking difference. That's the Holy Spirit's power in our life. We, we have the power to live a new life. We may have been born this way, but now we have the power to change. And when I say this way, it could be any way. You know, some people have grabbed that, 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 that saying and, and hijacked it, but you know, we, we are all born some way. Some way that's not God's way, but we have the power to change. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. You know, this is our theme verse. We've got a lot of them. But anyway, this is one of our theme verses. Uh, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. That's what some of you were. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what we all were, weren't we? We could all pick something on that list. We could add to that list, couldn't we? That's what we were. But we have the power to change. It's not who we are. And it's very important to memorize that, those verses and claim them by faith. Every time you get hit with the old lies and the old life, claim it. Claim those. And, and, and every time we're accused, yeah, you're not different. You're not a Christian. Look what you're thinking. Look what you're doing. No, no. Every time we're accused, no, no. That's what I was. That's what I was. How many times have I prayed that? Spoken that truth. That's what I was. And it's vital for our progressive sanctification, for that continued change. It's vital for us to know that truth, to know it, to believe it, and to act on it. Know it, believe it, and act on it. We've talked about this many times, right? Know it, believe it, and act on it. That's when our life actually changes. And if you are battling something and you feel like you're defeated or you just need to break through to the next level, talk to me. 
Talk to someone here. Talk to someone. If, if, if you don't want to share with me, I'll connect you with a Christian counselor. The, confidential. They'll never tell me. It's between you and them. But you can get the help. We'll encourage you. We'll encourage you to keep on battling. We'll encourage you to get back up after you've fallen. We'll encourage you to persevere. We'll equip you, equip you to fight this spiritual battle. It's all in God's word. We'll equip you, and we'll also help you get your healing. How many times have you heard me say that? Maybe on the phone, I say, you need to get your healing. We have to get that healing. Very, very important. Don't live, in, don't live with that, the, the pain and the, the wounds. Get your healing. Back to 1 Kings 18. Uh, verse Kings 18, verse 39. Okay, he sent the fire down, and now we see the people say, When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. People finally get it. They're saying Jehovah is God. They finally made up their minds. Remember, they couldn't make up their minds? <laughs> kind of like the United States today. They finally made up their minds. They're probably terrified. They probably think, we're next. You know, just like the Nazis were melted and, and the Raiders' laws. Are, they're probably thinking the second thunderbolt is going to come down and melt them. But they were safe. Why? Because that bull sacrifice was accepted. Their sins were covered for now. They were safe at this time. And if they had just kept their faith in God, it, that, that sacrifice would have substituted for their sin ongoing. But the revival did not last. Wait till we get to the rest of the story as we move ahead. The revival didn't last. A short time later, we see the nation, except for the remnant, there was a remnant revival, except for the remnant, the nation kept following Baal. They kept following Ahab and Jezebel. They returned to the, the idolatry. And this shows us something. Miracles don't produce faith. Miracles expose faith. When someone sees Jesus do something and they put their faith in him, that didn't produce the faith. That just exposed the faith. That, miracles don't produce faith. They only confirm real faith. Judgment don't produce faith. When God judges like he does when he shows the fire, that doesn't produce faith. All these people went back. It, it doesn't produce faith. It's temporary. The miracles and the judgment, the spiritual response is temporary. It's temporary. It, it doesn't last. It's uh, foxhole faith. It's the faith that people have in prison. And then you get out of prison, they keep going back to their old life again. It's that kind of faith. It, the nine, it's, I call it the 9-11 effect. Remember after 9-11? We were packed in there, weren't we? I bet you guys were too. Everybody's packed. Church is packed for three months. That's how long it lasted. You, they did the statistics. In the United States... The effect of 9-11 lasted for three months, and then people slid right back out of their churches, right back away from God, right back to their old life. That's all that's because it doesn't produce faith. That's why revivals based on miracles and signs and wonders, you hear about these stories and you have visited some of these churches, and it's all exciting, but the those revivals don't last. They don't really have that big of an impact. Why? Because it, it's exciting, but revival has to be grounded on God's word. Has to be grounded on God's word. That has to be the emphasis and the foundation. If you just focus on the miracles, it's not going anywhere. It ha the miracles, oh, listen, I love miracles. We love them. Exciting. But that is not the foundation for revival. It's God's word. And the same thing for evangelism. If you want to lead people to Christ, the, 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 the people are not saved by signs and wonders. That that exposes the spiritual interest and the faith in somebody's heart, but there's so many people that see it that aren't saved, right? 
Because it's real, it, that's not the foundation. It's the Holy Spirit's conviction through the Word. It's got to be Word-based. Once again, I, I love healings. I love when God moves in a powerful way. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it has to shift into God's Word to last. And that's what happened here. They did not shift to God's Word. And that's why it didn't last. They, didn't, they never made that shift. Which brings us to 1 Kings where it says, Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. Killed the prophets of Baal. Now, this probably sounds a little bit harsh to modern ears, right? But this was vital. It was vital. God knew, and Elijah knew, it was vital to kill the prophets of Baal. Why? They were guilty of murder. They had already instigated the, the murder of God's prophets. Not many were left. Elijah, they're all hunted down. Remember a hundred hiding in the caves? We talked about that. They were, all, they were all murdered. These prophets of Baal had instigated that murdering. They were guilty of murder. And they were also guilty they were responsible for the drought, which resulted in thousands starving to death. We've talked about that. They were responsible for all those families and children starving to death. So they had to be killed. Like, that, like dangerous zombies, you know. Think of zombies, you know, the zombie movies or shows. You know, they were, i got to kill them. They had, they had to be killed. And this reminds me of, of drug dealers today. Think of, of drug dealers. Now, we were in the Philippines not too long ago. You know, you, a lot of you heard some. But what you didn't hear is in the Philippines, they have cracked down on drug dealers really harshly. Real harsh. Like hunting them down, imprisoning them, killing them. You know, they, they've been very, very harsh. And to us all, the Western, you know, but it's effective. And I'm not condoning murdering the drug dealers. I'm not. But... They've, this is how they've handled, in, in Asia, this is how they handled these drugs. And as a result, the Philippines has had a dramatic change in drug use because the drug dealers are scared. I talked to a couple of former drug dealers while I was there, and they told me, change their name, hiding out, you know, they gotta, they gotta be so careful. Now they become Christians and they've changed, but they still got, they said, we're hunted like here. It's crazy. And, but it's effective. It's changed the drug culture there. And the reasoning is, and, and the president of the Philippines has said, listen, they're killing our people. So what's the difference me killing them? And, and we, we don't get that here. But, but, and I'm not condoning it. I'm not condoning it much. But anyway, uh, the, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a clear example. You know, my son Ryan died of a, of a drug Overdose. He was drinking alcohol and he took some street Xanax. Now he had a prescription for Xanax, but you shouldn't drink and take Xanax, as you know. That's very bad. We told him many times stop doing it. But you don't drink and you don't take street Xanax either because it, it's very it's very dangerous. In fact, his street Xanax wasn't Xanax at all. It was several drugs mixed together with fentanyl, which is what killed him. You guys know the story well. We've talked about it many times. His friends were shocked that he took this the street drug. They were shocked uh, because they, the mix was bad enough. Just the Xanax and the alcohol was bad enough. They always were warning him, don't do this, stop taking it. And we did too. He, he didn't listen. But that was bad enough. But the, the street Xanax, the street drug, is like Russian roulette. You don't know what you're getting. 
They mix this stuff. They're mixing fentanyl. These are not physicists or chemists mixing these drugs, you know. These are kids who failed out of school. You know what I'm saying? About, you know, these are, this, is what, this is what is out there. The street drug is like Russian roulette. And, and, he, and we found out why. This is something I've never really never told anybody. Um, he had a, he, the reason he took these drugs was he never touched street drugs. His friends are like, oh, he's way too smart for that. Well, first of all, if you use drugs at all, you're not too smart. And, but he, he came back one day from work, and he found one of his friends hanging, hanging. And he wasn't dead yet. He, he actually got up on the chair and got him down and took the belt off his neck and, and saved him. He didn't die. His friend was in such a bad place, he didn't die. Uh, but he didn't die. He was trying to commit suicide. And so Ryan and his friend start talking, and they're both traumatized. You know, obviously Ryan was traumatized, and this friend's obviously traumatized. And they start drinking and talking, and the friend told us the whole story. Start drinking and talking, they got good and drunk, and then, then they wanted, they were still in pain, you know, dealing with their pain. So they said, let's take some Xanax. And Ryan was out, and so my, the friend had, I just bought some, you know, on the street. And so uh, very unusual, but he was so drunk, he took the street Xanax. And that's what killed him, because it was mixed with all kinds of other garbage. And it was all because of, you know, the friend was felt so responsible. But we said, no, you're not responsible. Ryan's responsible. The drug dealers aren't even responsible. Ryan, I'm not taking away. Ryan was responsible for using drugs. If you take drugs against all warnings, you, you know, you're responsible. And he was responsible. But the drug dealers are killing our kids. They're killing them. They're killing our kids. It's a deadly scourge, and we have to get a lot tougher with them, don't we? A lot tougher with them. Just like, now I'm bringing back, connect the dots, just like the false prophets. They were killing people. Killing prophets, starving the nation. They were killing, and that's why God commands in Deuteronomy 18.20. Elijah wasn't just this bloodthirsty guy. He was following God's very clear commands. Deuteronomy 18.20, it says, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, must be put to death. You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. False prophets. False prophets. And there's a lot of prophecies out there. I've been in some prophetic conferences where they make all kinds of crazy prophecies, and they don't happen. Very little discernment in the body of Christ today. But... The point here is God said to kill the false prophets. Now remember, the Old Testament is a physical picture of the New Testament, which is a spiritual truth or reality, right? We're no longer kill, called to kill false prophets. We're not allowed to kill anybody as Christians, except for, you know, obviously capital punishment and all that still is in play for the authorities. But as Christians, we, we do not have the, the, we're not told to kill anybody. We're not told to kill false prophets, but we are warned to deal with them spiritually and very seriously. 
very seriously. We're commanded to recognize false prophets, false teachers, false teaching. We're commanded to recognize it and, and, and to stay away from it and cut it out of the church. That's what church discipline is all about. Cut it out of the church and, and to get out of a false church. If we're part of a false church, I tell people all the time, if you're in false teaching, get out of that church. Get cut, cut out of that church. Matthew 7 gives a good warning what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says in verse 15, he says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Verse 20, Thus by their fruit you will recognize them. It's not what they say. It's not how smooth they are. It's not how much charisma they have. It's not how, you know, how, what, what they seem like. That's, no, no, no. It, it's tricky because they sound so spiritual. But look at their fruit. Look at their lives. Look at their actions. Very, very important. 2 Peter 2, 1 to 3 says this. In 2 Peter 2, he says, verse 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Look what drives the false teachers. Greed. Greed. The church in the United States today is riddled with false teaching. It's riddled with false teaching. With false teachers, with false doctrine. You look at, look at the greed, it just brings to mind the whole Word of Faith movement on TV. These TV guys on Word of Faith guys, you know, health and wealth. And if you send me money, God will bless you. And if you're a Christian and put your faith in Jesus, you shouldn't have any problems. And you should be healthy and wealthy and wise, you know, the whole thing. And uh, it's just, just send us your money. Follow the money, Right? Follow the money. And what do you get at the end of the, the, the rainbow with these guys? They usually have a huge house and a private jet. Right? That's called a red flag. That's called this gong show. Hit the gong. They're, do- they're done. Private jets. Unbelievable. The, 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 the wealth that these guys have. It's just Greed. Greed. And they make the argument, well, if Jesus was here today, he would have a jet. That's what they say. It's craziness, right? In many evangelicals, I'm going to say something even more. It hits closer. Many evangelicals function as false teachers. They function as false teachers, evangelical pastors, because of money. What am I talking about? A new study just came out. I don't know if you saw it in the news. 50% of pastors are afraid to preach the truth because they don't want to offend somebody. Half of the pastors are afraid to preach the truth because they don't want to offend somebody. Half. And and when you dig deeper into the story, they're afraid to offend people because they'll lose people in the pews because their whole success is based on how many people are there and the money they give. They don't want to lose money. So they don't preach the truth. They preach a Swiss cheese Bible. They just preach what won't upset people. And that's, that's functioning as if they're afraid of losing money. 
That's functioning as a false teacher. Listen, it's our job, right? right? It's our job to, to upset people. That's what we get paid the big bucks to do, right? <laughs> now, we don't purposely want to just offend people, but, but the point is we have to preach the word and let it convict. And if it upsets people, that's not our problem. Our problem is preaching the truth in a loving way. Speak the truth in love. All of us have that job, really. In Ezekiel 33, 8, Ezekiel 33, 8, listen to what God says to him about being a watchman. He says, when I say to the wicked, oh, wicked man, you will surely die and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways. That wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. That's what Paul is talking about in Acts chapter 20. It's not easy to do this. It's not easy. This isn't how you win friends and influence people, right? This isn't in the book. Uh, but in Acts, Paul is talking about this in Acts chapter 20, verse 25, where he says, Now I know that none of you, he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders here, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. He's connecting the dots to Ezekiel. Listen to what he says then. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He goes, that's our job. That's your job. False teaching. Functional false teaching. And the most dangerous false teaching of all is when the gospel is perverted. Galatians 1.8 says this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Literally, go to hell. That's what he's saying. Don't ever mess with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we are saved by faith alone and Christ alone. That is, a, that is off the table. And there's so much false teaching with the gospel today, isn't there? You can live any way you want. God loves you that way. God even made you that way. And as I'm not talking about one issue. I'm talking about all of the issues. You can live any way you want. You don't need to be born again. All those crazy born again. You don't need that. Just live by the golden rule. That's twisting the gospel, and that's the main gospel in the USA today, isn't it? Just live by the golden rule. But Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. There's no other type of Christian. You're either born again Christian or you're not a Christian. We're not going to let these crazies hijack it either. The guy in the purple hair in the football game, we're not going to let him hijack it. No, no, you must be born again. That's from Jesus himself. And many also teach a works salvation. A works salvation, that you have to earn your salvation by jumping through religious hoops. A lot of you grew up in churches like that, right? Where you have to jump through these hoops in order to get right with God and to earn his favor somehow. But, but, that, but that's, a, that's, that's John 3, 16, once again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever jumps through religious hoops, whoever gets baptized, whoever has been confirmed, whoever fill in the blank, right? No. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's one thing 
in the gospel. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. If your church doesn't preach that, get out of there. Now, I know everybody here preaches that, so we're okay here. We're okay. You don't have to leave. Both churches, we got that. But if, if, if you're visiting from, get, I tell everybody, if your church doesn't preach that you're saved by faith alone and Christ alone, get out of there. Get out of there. I'm going to connect one more dot to our lives. And this is really, gets really personal. The prophets of Baal, the prophets of Baal are also a picture of sin in our life. Remember the Canaanites, picture of sin, Right? The cities were strongholds. The prophets of Baal are also, and the, all the worshiping of Baal is also a picture of sin in our life that we must kill, that we must be brutal with, that we can't coexist with sin. This is a picture for us. Not just the false teaching, but the sin itself. We cannot coexist with sin. We have to be brutal. Just as they kill those prophets of Baal, we must kill sin. We're not supposed to kill people anymore. New Testament, uh-uh. Inquisition, way off base, right? No, 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 no. Crusades, way off base. No, 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 no. We are not allowed to kill. We're not called to kill. But we are called to kill sin. It's a picture of sin. It's a type, Old Testament type of a New Testament truth, and that is sin. Now, I'm going to tell you, give you an example of this. You being brutal with and, and can't coexist. When growing up on the farm, we were at war with rats. We were at war with mice, rodents, rats. We were at war with them. And there were some big rats on the farm. You know, you've heard these stories of the sewers in New York. Well, that's what we, we saw some big rats. In fact, uh, big. One time, uh, my dad was looking through the window. He came and told me about it. I never forget. He said, do you know what I just saw? Uh, the barn windows weren't glass because they would get broken all the time. They were like plastic that you could barely see like through and you could just basically he was looking through it one day and he saw a giant rat sitting outside of the window and I mean big sitting out there aimed one way and it was eating looking this way and he saw the the shadow the silhouette of this big rat in the window and then he said right behind he saw a cat sneaking up this rat was as big as the cat I know the cat. The cat was called Mouser. She was a black cat. Loved this cat. She could kill everything. Kill little, little squirmy black cat. But she was vicious with rats and, and mice. We called her Mouser. That was her name. And my dad said he saw Mouser coming up behind it. Real careful. Now, got to be careful because the rat's as big as the cat. And those rats are mean. And, if, and he knows that, rat, that cat has to kill that rat on the first hit or it's dead. It'll be torn apart by that rat. Those rats are vicious. Trust me. And he said he saw the cat coming up, coming up, coming up. Bam! Hit it right in the neck. Broke its neck. That's the only chance it had to kill. It had to break the neck on the, on the hit. He went out there. Mouser's all excited. Got this giant rat. Dead. Broken neck. Big as the cat. We had a lot of big rats and there are a lot of rodents on the farm. There were rats and mice, and they were destructive. They ate so, you can't imagine what they eat and what they tear up. And not only that, they leave their droppings, which leave, may cause diseases with the animals, the livestock. They leave those droppings. They're, 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 we were at war with these, uh, with these rodents, with the rats and mice. That's why farmers have a lot of cats. We always had about 25 cats at a time. 25. We hardly had to feed them. They, you know, we gave them some milk, but they just were eating rats, eating mice all the time. But, but it was still, even with all those cats, it was still a big battle. 
And that, uh, this is going to price out a little cruel to some of you city slickers, but this is something we had to do with, with, the, with our battle with the rats, uh, we, with killing them. We had a corn crib, and that's where a lot of them lived, in the corn crib. Oh, wow. You, you can't believe what would happen. But with the corn crib, as it emptied, it would empty down, empty down, empty down, empty down. And we get to that bottom where there's just one more. My dad would get it, we'd knock the corn into the grain grinder and it would grind it up and we'd make feed for the cows. But when it got to the bottom, my dad had to shovel that last pile. It was about this, about as high as this here, the, po- uh, the podium here, about that high and, and not much, not very wide, maybe seven feet wide, just a pile of corn. But we all knew, because year after year, this is our tradition, when my dad got in to grind up the last thing, to start shoveling in the last load, all the neighborhood kids would come over with their baseball bats, wooden, wooden baseball bats at that time, the cats knew, it was, like, it was like nature knew, the cats would all come out every year and they would just circle, like lions, circling the corn crib. The dogs would get all excited, they'd come out waiting, 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 and my dad would start to shovel, and the, the last time I remember it happening, I'll tell the last time, this was such a wild story, my dad would start to shovel, and not, at first nothing, nothing, oh maybe nothing, no, all of a sudden would be a little mouse come running out. Cats would pounce on it. Then another one. Then another one. It keeps shoveling. And then actually, you know, they're just shooting out. All these mice and rodents are shooting out. The cats are jumping on them. The dogs are grabbing them. The kids are, you know, we stand behind that circle. We're the last line of defense. Bam, bam, bam. So anyway, we're, uh, we're finishing them off. There were no video games, right? We had to do something. Yeah. And, and... It was shocking how many rodents came out of that corner. It's like Willard, you know, there were rats everywhere. You know, it's coming out. It was like a horror movie. And and I, uh, we were like hitting and stuff. And uh, the the the, I remember this one cat we had. She was a really good mouser, not as good as mouser, but she was really good. Her name was Annalie. My dad named him after his my my. Uh, well, never. I'm not gonna name. Anyway, named after somebody. And so uh, Annalie, though, turned out to be a great cat. And and she was the best cat. I would pick her up, and she actually hugged you. She put her arms around you and hugged you and held on. I just loved to pick her up. But anyway, but she also was prolific with having kittens. She had kittens all the time. And she was out there this last time, big as a boat, going to have kittens anytime. And she's catching mice and eating them, catching mice and eating them. And all of a sudden, she stopped eating them. She starts grabbing them and taking them off somewhere. And then she'd come back, she'd take them off somewhere. And then one of the times she came back, we're all, this is taking her like an hour. She comes back, and she's skinny. I'm like, what in the world? And then she grabs another one and goes running. And I'm, I'm like, what is she doing? And I followed her back there. And I remember she was in this one shed that we had. We called it the shop. And, and she had a little space all made up. And she had her kittens in between catching the mice. She had these kittens. They're all laying there, all nice and cozy there. And next to them was a big pile of mice. So she could now go and nurse the kittens and have lunch on her mice, you know, for the next week or something, right? It was crazy. But we're out there fighting, and then as it gets lower, all of a sudden, the rats come out. The last, oh, it's scary. They would come out, and they would charge, and the cats would get some, but a lot of them they couldn't. They were too big, and the dogs would grab some of them, and a lot of them they couldn't even get. These things were vicious coming out, the big rats. And I'll never forget, one got out and got past the cats, past the dogs, and I wanted to get it so bad. And, but they, the dogs backed down, the cats backed down. It was a vicious one. And I was chasing it out behind the barn where the silo was, and I got my bat, and I was ready to kill it, and it turned on and went, <laughs> it scared me. You know, it was big. And I just hesitated for a minute, and he Boom, he disappeared into the barnyard. Uh, th- these things were nasty. 
nasty. But we, we had to kill these rats and these mice. And it sounds cruel, but farmers have to kill them to survive. If we don't kill those, those multiply, 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 they'll destroy a farm. We had to kill them. We had to kill them to survive. Just like we as Christians have to deal with sin the same way. We have to kill it. We have to kill it. We cannot give it any life. What have we allowed to dig in into our life? What have we allowed to dig, live in our minds, and our hearts? Nobody sees it. We come in, oh, everything's good. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, hey, everybody. Got our mask on. But what have we allowed to dig into our minds and into our hearts? And the Holy Spirit's convicting us right now to repent of it. That's the starting point. God, I want to walk away from it, repent of it, and I'm going to kill it, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I'm going to kill this thing. What do I got to get rid of something? I got to get rid of my phone. got to get rid of my computer. got to shut the TV off, cut the, pull the plug out of the wall. Whatever, I'm just, you, you fill in the blanks. What, what, whatever it takes, God, by your grace and mercy, I'm going to break this stronghold. I'm going to get my healing. Talk to me. I don't even, you don't even know what you're doing with. I'll connect you with someone. You say, I need to talk to a counselor. I need to talk to a Christian. I need to talk to someone. I'll connect you. But what, whatever it takes, what do we need to do to get our healing? And the first step, maybe you've never taken the very first step, and that is giving your life to Jesus Christ. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit's power. That's the very first step to getting this victory over, over sin and, and living a brand new life in Jesus Christ. That's the first step. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you have no power to change. Maybe you're under a, a tremendous burden of sin, of shame, of accusation, of pain because of the life you've lived. But today you can lay it at the cross of Jesus Christ. You can lay it down at the cross because that's where Jesus died for us to take the, the consequences, to take the, the guilt, to take our shame. We may have to deal with some of that pain here on earth consequence, but there will be no eternal consequence. It's gone the moment you put your faith in Jesus. Are you ready to do that right now? It's not a religious ritual. It's not jumping through a hoop. It's a simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for me. So that I could have a relationship with your father, Jehovah. So that I could live with you forever someday in heaven. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. I don't want my old life anymore. I repent 
of the old life and the old sin. I repent. I walk away. I want to give you my life right now. I put my faith in you, Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then something amazing has happened. Tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit has come inside of you, and you're going to be in for the shock of your life. You will never be the same. You are a a new creation in Christ. You won't believe the conviction, the thoughts, the encouragement, the joy, the peace that is now yours. It's like you've inherited a treasure And every day as you open that treasure, you're going to be shocked at what God is going to be doing in and through you. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe have a friend or family member. Tell me on the way out. Tell somebody. Let somebody know today so we can be excited for you and encourage you. For those of us already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit convicting us? What have we allowed to dig in, to live in our minds and our hearts that is not what God wants for us, that is really hurting us and hurting other people spiritually? Would today be the day that you say, God, I repent. Give me your mercy and grace to really kill this. Give me the grace to get back up and keep fighting this battle. Give me the courage to talk to somebody, a friend or pastor or counselor. Give me the courage to, to get my healing. Father, we pray that every one of us would surrender whatever needs to be surrendered so that your Holy Spirit could bring us to true revival, to true salvation, to radically change lives, Lord. I pray that you would send a revival in us, in and through us. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.